Let us pray. Our Father and our God, how grateful and how thankful we are for your unending love and for your amazing grace. We thank you for all that our eyes have seen, all that our ears have heard, all that our hearts have felt. We just ask your continued blessings upon the furtherance of this portion of our worship encounter tonight. There's a sweet spirit in this place, and we know that it is your presence. And we're thankful and we're grateful tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good evening, everyone, and praise the Lord to all of you who are here with us in person, to all of you who are worshiping with us virtually. We thank God for everyone this evening, and it is so good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. When you think about it, the Lord didn't have to let us live. We are all walking extensions of his mercy and his grace. But since he has been so good and so gracious in allowing us to come together, we should just enjoy and bask in this wonderful worship moment and give God thanks and praise for all that he has allowed us to see and do and for his allowing us to be alive and in this moment one more time. I'm glad to be in the service of the Lord one more time. I bring you gracious greetings from the Catherine Street First Church of God family in Springfield, Ohio. There are many uh, of our congregation members worshiping with us tonight virtually, and so I want to thank you all for worshiping with us virtually tonight. I also always have to bring greetings from the Kimberly Parkway Church of God, and uh, in fact, there is a great gathering of men tonight at the Kimberly Parkway Church of God, gathering to uh, fellowship and worship out of the Word of God tonight. So, fellas, I want to thank God for you. Of course, the senior servant of that great house, Pastor Iran Watson, brings greetings and sends his love to each and every one of you, Pastor, First Lady. And um, I want to uh, thank you all for welcoming me and allowing me to share one more time. We thank God for our illustrious pastor here in uh, uh, Newark, the great pastor here of the Licking County Church of God, a wonderful man of God, wonderful woman of God. We thank God for you, Pastor Bartlett and Sister Bartlett. What wonderful worship brought by our singers tonight. And um, thankful and grateful to hear our young singers, our younger singers, stand and sing and minister to our hearts tonight under the anointing.
They have been blessed to live this long. And for all of us, it wasn't even a second thought given to being able to go to school and matriculate up through our elementary, our middle, junior high, high school, college years. But sadly and unfortunately, many of our elementary school agers are challenged with whether they will see through those first four or five years. Parents, my parents never, at least they never expressed a care or a concern whether or not I would go and grow through pre-K and elementary school. Wasn't even a, a second thought given to that. But now, parents, you are challenged. You are being challenged to pray earnestly for your pre-K and your kindergartners, your elementary agers. The more seasoned I become, I understand why Jesus said, you all have it backwards. You celebrate during, you, you celebrate and cry, and you celebrate uh, the arrival of a child into the world. But you really ought to weep because of the type of world our children have to come into. If, if we're not going to abort them, our children, can we see to it that they are able to go to school and be safe? If we're not going to end their lives prematurely, and we shouldn't, then we should, once they arrive, they should be able to have formula, and they should be able to grow up. Jesus said, if you live by that sword, you're going to die by it. You remember some of you biblical scholars. Peter got all beside himself. 
when Jesus was being arrested by an over-militarized police force. Peter pulled out his AR-15. Peter had no business with an AR-15. He had a quick temper, he had a bad attitude, he cussed, he was easily aroused, and a man or woman like that should not be walking around grocery stores, they should not be allowed in schools with AR-15s. And after he blew that man's, that one of those officers' ears off, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus celebrate, Peter, you're a good shot, good job. Did Jesus go out and post on social media and brag and boast about how tough on crime Peter was? Jesus told Peter, put your AR-15 away. He wasn't trying to curb Peter's right to have the AR-15. He didn't say he couldn't have it or shouldn't have it. But he wanted Peter to know, you are the church of God. You are called out. And as called out ones, as the holy, the elect, the sanctified, the separated from the world, while we are in the world, we must not be like the world. In the world, they settle their disputes like the OK Corral. Just shoot them out, shoot them up. But as the church of God, we are to approach the wicked workings of Satan differently. I just wish our world our nation would be equally as passionate about protecting life as it is about ensuring and seeing to it that lives are allowed to come into the world. Let's be equally as passionate as the church about seeing to it that the lives that are brought in are allowed to grow up 
That's not left wing. That's not right wing. Jesus wasn't left wing. Jesus wasn't right wing. Jesus wasn't a Democrat. Jesus wasn't a Republican. He simply did whatever his father asked him to do. After he had washed the disciples' feet, after they had shared in their last meal together, Jesus said, I'm, I'm instituting a new commandment. I'm getting ready to leave here physically. The church has gotten in bed with the politicians and they're going to kill me. The church has to be careful when it gets in bed with politicians. If you lay down with dogs, mama says you'll wake up and get up with fleas. When the church conspires with politicians, the outcome often for you and I as believers isn't, it isn't always in our favor. And Jesus says to his disciples, I'm instituting a new commandment. And here's the commandment, that you will love one another. Jesus doesn't issue this commandment in the town hall. Jesus issues this commandment to believers. Why? Because he knew that there would be a time, even amongst believers, when their love would wax and wane cold. And so that brings me to my thought tonight. I want to encourage us as a church that we are all a part of God's church. I want to just remind us tonight in a world that is so filled with divisiveness and hate, in a world that seems to be going and going and growing colder and more angrier as we are all siphoned off into our own intellectual and political and philosophical silos, hearing and seeing only what we want to see, hearing and seeing only what we want to hear, believing only what we want to believe. I just want to remind us as the church of God As men and women called and who are striving to follow Jesus. I want to encourage all of us, don't be like Herod. Herod was radicalized. Herod had bought into 
the philosophy of replacement theory. And he was concerned that he was going to be replaced. And so he tried to replace Jesus before he got replaced. Now, I don't know who radicalized Herod. I don't know if it was Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson. I don't know who Herod was listening to. Was he listening to too much CNN or was he listening to too much Fox? But he became obsessed with this thought, this belief that he was going to be replaced. And so he thought it better to be, to do the replacing before he was replaced. Not understanding that Jesus' mission was not to be a politician. Not understanding that the coming of the Messiah was not to set up an earthly government, governmental structure or society. Jesus did not come. He was not sent because he was trying to, to garner the affection of men and women on the left, men and women on the right. came to bring salvation in this world, to remind us that the things of this world are going to go and grow strangely dim. That we'll not be able to take our cars, we will not be able to take our stocks when it's our time, we will not be able to take our homes, we will not be able to take our 401ks, and it really doesn't matter what you believe, that one day all of us are going to stand before the Lord and, and he is going to judge and he is going to replay the story of our lives and all he's looking for is, is the blood of the Lamb on our lives as the love of God been shed abroad in our hearts. Only what we do for Christ is going to last Jesus reminds his disciples, you all, need to, you all need to learn and to love one another. Don't ever forget the power in loving one another. How do we express our love for one another? We express our love for one another as brothers and sisters in the faith by praying for one another. P-R-A-Y-I-N-G. Praying for one another. But if we are not careful, my brothers and my sisters, Satan will have you and I as the body of Christ praying on each other. P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. Devouring one another, gossiping about one another, insulting one another physically, verbally, harming one another with our hands, and with our mouths. And I'm going to tell you something, though. The harm we can do to each other with our mouths is even more, if not more, devastating than the harm we can do to one another with our hands. We were lied to. We were lied to. We were told that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And the reality is, 
Many of us, our wounds, our physical wounds have long since been healed, but we are still reeling and we're still rocking and we're still disturbed by the words that were spoken in and over our lives. Why? Because we engage someone, someone who perhaps named themselves after the name of Jesus and, and they hurt and harmed their fellow brother and sister in the faith. We must be intentional in our love for one another. Our attitudes as men and women of faith, as brothers and sisters in the faith, as men and women in the church of God, in God's church, our attitudes must reflect a deep and abiding gratitude for our brothers and sisters in, our, in the faith. If we're going to go and grow into the men and women that God has designed us to be and is challenging you and I to become tonight, then we must live every day Determined through our words and our actions to love one another. Can't count on the world, the world to love us. The world is the world is doing what the world wants to do. Sinners do what sinners do. We, we can't expect for sinners to love us as we have been commanded by Jesus to love one another. Our love for one another must be unconditional. Our love for one another must be genuine. Our love for one another tonight must be rooted and grounded in respect for one another as men and women in the faith. And the best, highest, deepest, most important way we express our love for each other as brothers and sisters in the faith tonight, we express it best when we pray for one another. I love what Reverend Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to say about this. He said, prayer is the lisping of the believing infant. It is the shout of the fighting believer. It is the requiem of the dying saint who is falling asleep sweetly in Jesus. Prayer is the breath. It's the watchword. It is the comfort. Prayer is the strength. And it is the honor of a Christian. If our faith is to grow exceedingly, if we are to genuinely demonstrate our compassion and our love and our support for one another as men and women of the faith, then we must maintain constant prayer with God. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is a Holy Spirit-inspired letter written by two people, Paul and Timothy. Paul is inspired of the Holy Spirit to write to the saints in Colossae. He's inspired to write, moved by the Holy Spirit, to, to engage and encourage these believers who have had the gospel preached to them. He, he writes his portion from a prison cell. Don't know where Timothy wrote his from, but we know that Paul wrote his from prison. Here's what Paul says. Verse 1, chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, 
who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Here it is. He's going to make my first point. If we are to pray for one another, then how often should we pray for one another as men and women of faith? Paul's getting ready to tell us. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of the saints. Did you catch that? The love you have for all of the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. We are to pray for each other always. Because we love each other as men and women of faith, as men and women of the church of God, as men and women who are striving to be more, uh, more and more like Jesus every day, we should, without exception, pray for each other. We should not let anyone or anything uh, interrupt our willingness and our action as it relates to this matter of lifting one another up in prayer. How often do we pray specifically for one another? Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. So Paul is saying, not only do we pray for you, but we praise God for you. When was the last time you praised God for your brother and sister in the faith? God, I, I thank you for Pastor Bartlett. I, I praise you for his life. I thank you for Sister Bartlett. I, I, I praise you, Lord, for, for her life and her ministry, the, the example that she has, uh, has so faithfully provided all of us down through these years. It, it's not enough, Paul says, to, to just pray for one another, but here it is, we must praise God for one another. Don't pray for each other just on Wednesday night. Don't pray for one another on, at, at 10 a.m. on Sunday. We should always pray for one another. Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to appreciate it. God's grace. Verse 7, you have learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And Paul's getting ready to answer my second thought tonight. We must always pray for one another. Here it is, but we need help praying for each other. Anybody willing to be transparent enough? Anybody willing to, to, to dare to walk on the wild side with me and, and just, just maybe wink, just maybe nod, maybe uh, just, just scratch your brow? 
Uh, if you will witness and agree with me that sometimes Christians can be challenging. Okay, I see a lot of nod winking. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do all of it. <clears throat> Living together as brothers and sisters in the faith can be challenging. Why? Because we are all different. Yes, we are all made in the image and likeness of the Lord. Yes, we are all precious in His sight, but that doesn't mean we are always, always precious. While we are precious in His sight, we may be problems to one another in our own sight. Can I get a witness? <laughs> It's not easy living together, serving together, doing ministry together, doing life together. It's not always easy for us to get along as believers, but here it is, we have help. And Paul shares, shares how we can love one another and pray for one another and support one another in verse 8. I'm going to back up to verse 7. You learned about this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love, here it is, in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you and I to love one another. If we endeavor to love one another in our own strength and in our own power, guess what? We are going to fail miserably. Many people walk away from congregations. Many people walk away from the faith. Why? Because they, they tried loving their brothers and sisters in the faith in their own strength and in their own power. And loving each other in our own flesh can be exasperating. We, we don't have enough love within us naturally to be able to love one another and really support one another and to honor Christ's commandments. It takes the Holy Ghost. If we are going to remain in union, one with the other. If we are going to remain in concert and in cooperation with one another, if we are going to cooperate with one another in common union, community, then it's going to take the Holy Spirit's help for us to get it done. We must depend on the Holy Spirit as a church body tonight to provide what is necessary for you and I to accomplish Christ's command to love. There's not enough books written that can teach us to love one another as Christ has commanded. commanded. You can sit on all of the psychologist's couches in New York or in Newark as you want to. Maybe I need to go to New York. You can sit on all of the couches of psychologists and psychiatrists in this city if you want to. The only way we will learn to love one another, the only way we will ever learn as a society to stop harming one another, the only way we in this world will ever learn to get along is if we allow the Holy Spirit to help us along. You can't legislate the love that Christ taught on. You can't vote in and vote out someone to teach us how to love one another as a church. The love we need comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will make it easier and less difficult for you and I to get along. One man asked the question many years ago, can't we all 
just get along? And I retort with the, with the following resounding answer. No, unless we have the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul says, I've gotten a report from Epaphras. He's told me about how you love one another, and he's told me how you all have learned to love one another because you're learning to love one another in the Holy Spirit. Then that leads me to my third and final thought. We must always pray for one another. We have to depend on the help of the Holy Spirit to get it done. Here it is. Paul's going to tell us how long we do this. Verse 9, he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, here it is, we haven't stopped praying for you. It's what Paul would go on to, to write about this, this matter, this business of praying without what? Ceasing. We, we have to pray for one another. If we are going to honor Christ's command that we love one another, then we must pray for one another and we must not allow our love and our prayers for one another to come to a standstill. Don't allow your love for one another to be impeded, to be impaled, to be hindered, to be held back, to be held up, to be stopped. Because you shop at Kroger and I shop at Walmart. Don't allow our love to be blocked and stopped because I lift holy hands in worship and you like to sit content and quiet. In other words, Paul says, listen, from the day we heard about you all, since the day we learned of your coming to faith, we haven't stopped praying for you. And we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We must continuously pray for our growth as brothers and sisters in the faith. Did you catch that? Paul says we always pray for you, but here's what we're praying. We're praying that you will keep growing in your faith. The church is a place where men and women become cheerleaders for one another. The church is a place, the body of Christ, the church of God is a spiritual body of believers born and, and washed in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus, our Christ. It, 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 we are a group, we are a body, we are a reformed movement that is, that is always seen and asking God, what can I do to push and to spur on and to encourage my brother and my sister to keep fighting, to keep praying, to keep believing, 
Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't slide back. But keep moving forward. Keep trusting God. Keep hoping. Keep believing. Keep, keep striving to be all that we can be for one another. Why? I, I, because it's, it's Christ's command that I, if, if, if I love my brother and my sister, that I want the best for my brother and my sister. I'm encouraged. No matter how many school shootings occur, I'm encouraged. No matter how divided and secular this society becomes, I'm encouraged. Here it is. Here's why. Because just as I am to love you, and you are to love me always, just as I am to never stop praying for you, and you are to never stop praying for me, just as um, I have help from the Holy Spirit to pray for you and to support you and love you, and you have help from the Holy Spirit at, at, at your feet, at your hands, at your disposal to, to help me and to pray for me. If nobody else does it for me, Jesus does it. I thank God for Jesus tonight. I thank God that Mary chose not to abort. I thank God for Jesus who survived a diluted, convoluted political philosophy that suggested he be replaced. I'm thankful and I'm grateful that Jesus did not let the church working in conjunction with politicians discourage him when they were plotting to kill him, even from the pulpit, they were plotting to kill Jesus. I'm glad Jesus didn't let church folk stop him. Because here it is. Here's, here's the encouragement tonight as we get ready to go close. Jesus is praying for you. Always. Jesus is praying for you and I will never stop. Thank God not just for Jesus, but thank you for the Holy Spirit who never stops leading and guiding us into all truth tonight. Thank God that the Spirit doesn't get fed up with us. Though time, there are times when we can quench the Spirit, though there are times when we can disappoint the Holy Spirit. Thank God that the Holy Spirit um, is under the control of the Father in heaven and does not leave us unless we blaspheme him. Thank God that the Holy Ghost um, has enough power to keep on keeping with us and staying with us and, and doing his best to speak to us. Um, I'm so grateful for that tonight because without it, where would I be? And without that fervent, persistent, consistent love, where would we, all of us be? Church, let's keep loving each other. We've got some difficult days ahead. We can't count on the world to love us. We have to love 
one another. There'll be more obstacles. There'll be more challenges. But if we hold fast, if we are submitted to Christ's command to love one another, we can survive. I'm like pastor tonight. I'm optimistic tonight. I, I will let nothing separate me from what? The love of God. The church, don't let anything separate you. In the days and the weeks ahead, I, I may not see you again. I, I don't know. Not, I'm, I'm living on borrowed time. If I don't see you again, remember this. Play it back. I, I've encouraged you to keep on staying together. Don't let anything you see in this world cause you to turn your back on the Lord and to turn your back on each other. I need you to survive. We need each other to survive. We're all a part of God's body. I need you to stay with me and pray with me and pray for me. It, it's God's will that everything we need be supplied. And, 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 and just as, as you are important to me and I am important to you, just as he cares for the, the sparrow, guess what? He cares for you and I. He will lead us. He'll lead us through these shootings. He'll lead us through the divisive politic. He'll lead us through an economy that is on a downturn. He'll lead us through high gas prices. Come on, come on, I need the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on. He'll lead us through. Let not your heart be troubled tonight. The God of all grace, all comfort. He's with us. He'll see us through till the end.